Keywords, Volume Two, by Chan Master Sheng Yun. Transforming Suffering, from Chan Newsletter Number Ninety, January, nineteen ninety-two. From the moment we are born, the threat of illness hovers over us. The person who has not suffered illness has yet to be born, and only after death does illness cease. But the lives of sentient beings are also marked by mental affliction. Indeed, a healthy person with a sick mind may suffer more than someone with a sick body and a healthy mind. Two thousand five hundred years ago, the Buddha discovered a way to help people alleviate mental suffering. So the Dharma he gave us is not an anesthetic for physical pain, but a path to alleviate mental suffering. When all our mental problems are cured. That is called liberation. The Judeo-Christian religious talk about Genesis as a time when everything began, but Buddhism sees time as without beginning or end, and sentient beings have known suffering since time without beginning. Buddhism further teaches that our experiences are influenced by our previous actions, and in turn, our present acts become the causes for future effects. This is karma. Vexations arise from our environment, our relationships, and from our own inner turmoil. Relationships, in particular, cause a great deal of suffering. People point to their enemies as the source of misery, but more often, the culprit is a family member or an acquaintance. However, we are vexed most by the enemy within, our own mind. Our thoughts, feelings, attitudes. And perceptions change constantly. We can move from arrogance to regret, from joy to sorrow, from hate to love, in a matter of seconds. As time passes, our view changes, so that we look at something old in an entirely new way. When in turmoil, we feel powerless to make decisions. We worry about gain or loss, right or wrong. So much indecision throws us into a tumult. Though everyone suffers in this way, many insist that they have no problems. I once asked someone why he had so many vexations. "It's not me," he cried. "It is other rotten people who are making me so miserable." Vexation can come in the form of greed, anger, ignorance, arrogance, or doubt. Whenever you are distressed, look into the nature of your vexation. As soon as you identify your vexation. Its intensity will diminish. When you are distressed by greed, for instance, collect yourself by reflecting. I'm giving in to desire again. If you can be objective and non-judgmental about yourself, the greed will diminish. Similarly, when you are aware of your own arrogance, your suffering will diminish. When you are foolish, see that for what it is. Simply accepting your weaknesses will lighten your vexation and suffering. When you have doubts about getting something done, say to yourself, "This is the right thing to do, and I can do it." I have yet to meet someone who never has any doubts. Buddhism describes five general causes of mental vexation: pursuing objectives without considering your strengths and weaknesses. Perhaps you are not aware of the resources you possess, and so are never satisfied with your efforts, or. In a situation beyond your control, you torment yourself by resisting the inevitable. 
Many people, especially the young, believe they can accomplish anything. But under adversity, rather than understand their situation, they feel personally wronged. Having an insatiable desire to expand and conquer. People who suffer from this disturbance feel a need to magnify their abilities, successes, or possessions. They want to extend their influence beyond all limits. Some strive for fame. Others want to dominate those who oppose them. Such power struggles can occur between individuals, families, and nations. At whatever level, it is a mental disturbance. Arrogance over achieving a particular objective or station. Pride and self-esteem can lead to callous disregard for others. An arrogant person believes he has the right to hurt others according to his whim. Despair over failing to achieve a goal. When you are discouraged, lose self-confidence, and blame others for your failures, you give rise to despair. Insecurity due to doubt. There is a deep sense of insecurity. Confidence quickly evaporates. These five types of disturbances, in turn, can generate a myriad of other mental problems. People often go into denial about their afflictions. I don't have any vexations. A second approach is to try to heal oneself with endless reviews of one's faults and what one believes to be remedies. Both approaches tend to make matters worse. And then there are those who seek professional help. From the Buddhist perspective, analytic therapies can discover only the superficial part of the problem, so the patient never sees the complete picture of their illness. After extensive counseling, problems can still resurface, and patients can languish for years in therapy. Unlike analytic therapy, Buddhism does not address the specific causes of mental distress, but deals directly with the recognition and alleviation of mental suffering. The Buddhist approach is to change our understanding of the very nature of our existence and to engage a method of practice. Changing our understanding involves believing in karma, understanding the law of cause and conditions, and cultivating compassion. The law of karma or cause and effect. Buddhists believe that there was a life before this life, and one before that, and so on through innumerable past lives. Much of what we experience now may seem unfair, but it is simply a consequence of actions we have performed in the past. Our willingness to accept what befalls us, good or bad, depends on our willingness to accept our karma. This concept extends beyond religious belief into a well-known fact of everyday life. Our actions have consequences. The Law of Causes and Conditions All phenomena arise and pass away because of the coming together of different conditions. The cause of a flower is a seed, but soil, water, and sun must be present for the plant to come into existence. Time, uprooting, or lack of water or sun will cause the plant to wither and die. Thus, when we succeed at something, there is no need to be proud or arrogant when we realize that our success was due to the direct and indirect help of many people. And since we know that what comes into being will pass, there is no need for despair when we encounter adversity. As the proverb says, it is always darkest before the dawn. 
Compassion. People usually wish others to be compassionate towards them, but seldom remember that they should also be compassionate. There are those who, when they make a mistake, demand that they be forgiven. Don't measure me against the standards of a saint. But if someone else errs, they are quick to say, "Why can't you do it right the first time?" You can develop and nurture a spirit of compassion by actively observing the following ideas. Understand your own conflicts and cultivate inner harmony. Feel sympathy for other people's shortcomings. Forgive other people's mistakes. Concern yourself with other people's suffering. Understanding one's own inner conflicts is especially important. To be at peace with oneself requires a calm mind. If you are aware that your actions have consequences, and that trying situations arise out of conditions created by your own karma, you will experience compassion, sympathy, forgiveness, and caring towards others. Armed with an understanding of karma and causes and conditions. One should engage in the practices of mindfulness and meditation. Mindfulness can be achieved by reciting the Buddha's name. First, reciting the Buddha's name in order to be reborn in the pure land of Amitabha Buddha gives you hope for the future, and consequently, makes it easier for you to let go of the present. Second, reciting the Buddha's name can alleviate your mental problems. When you find yourself psychologically off balance. You can remove anger, doubt, or other mental disturbances by concentrating on the Buddha's name. I often tell people, when you feel like yelling at someone, recite Amitabha's name. Send your anger to Amitabha. Let it be his problem. Sitting meditation can collect a scattered mind and stabilize affliction. There are many methods of meditation and many levels of attainment. At this point. Let me simply give you an idea of the more profound stages you might experience from meditation, namely samadhi and no mind. Samadhi is when you reach the point where no wandering thoughts exist in your mind. In samadhi, there is neither a person nor a problem that can vex you. From samadhi, you can develop the wisdom of no mind. This is Chan enlightenment. To reach enlightenment. Is to see into your self-nature and be free of mental affliction and illness. When you're always in this state and do not regress, you have realized great enlightenment. Short of that is small enlightenment, where old vexations may arise, but you will at least be able to deal with them. Finally, even without enlightenment, meditating is an important step towards your transforming your vexations into liberation.